Hello, and welcome to Leaders Ignite, a podcast for people who are interested in upgrading their leadership abilities in the workplace and in their life. I'm your host, Brent Burkhart, and I'm here with Lead Peak Performance's Mary Burkhart and Ed Davison Gwen. This podcast serves as a supplemental to their online course, which is available at leadpeakperformance.com. Mary, Ed, and I were talking about how lack of confidence can affect leadership. Let's listen in. Well, it's a big deal. Uh, and we see this all the time, and we wonder how many others uh, really experience when, when they themselves have lack of confidence, lack of security in themselves. You know, it's quite a problem, and it comes up over and over. So if I have lack of confidence in myself, that really means I have a lack of security. And it's very interesting because competence, a lot of people think, well, I'm very competent. Well, you know, competence does not compensate for security. There are many people who are very, have a lot of competence, but it doesn't mean that they have confidence in themselves or that they feel very secure. So this becomes um, very, something that's very, very important for leaders to think about. Because if I'm not feeling secure or confident in myself, regardless of how competent I am in, in anything, in any walk of life, then, you know, I'm going to come from a place of sort of, you know, one down or two down or three down. So I'm sort of po- going to poke at other people. And I'm not going to give people credit for what they do. I'm not going to lift people. What I'm going to do is, you know, if I'm not feeling good about myself, if we go underneath all of that for leaders and for all of us, we're in competition. We're in competition with the other person, with other people. Now, if we can turn that around, right, just think about it. Ed and I hear this all the time, and we ask people, if you're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling confident, you're feeling secure, how do you treat other people? They will say, oh, we treat them really well. We find what's wrong with them, what's right with them. We, We compliment them. We reinforce them. We lift them. We say, well, why? Why is that? Well you know, I'm really not in competition with them then because I'm feeling good about myself. But when we go to the other side of the coin, when we don't feel secure or good about ourselves, then we're going to not call attention to other people's strengths. We're not going to give them credit. In fact, we will say nothing or we'll sort of poke at them because we are truly, consciously or unconsciously, we're we're in competition for sure. That's interesting. So you're connecting a lack of self-confidence with an unhealthy work environment, both in the workplace and inside yourself. Yeah, sure. If I'm not feeling good about myself, and our clients tell us that all the time, if I'm not feeling good about myself, then how I lead myself and how I impact others, because I consciously or unconsciously, I go into competition because being one down or two down or three down, you know, doesn't feel good. And people are emotional beings. We all are. So we do what feels good or feels pleasant. And when we don't feel good about ourselves, well, 
you know, we aren't going to be lifting other people, giving them credit, or, you know, that's not going to be the story. We're going to be in competition with them, consciously or unconsciously, and it's it's going to show itself for sure. It's so true, Mary. And, and one of the ways we see this play out is sometimes when somebody needs to give difficult feedback, we call that an investment conversation. But in the situation where difficult feedback needs to be given, um, a lot of times people, due to lack of confidence, won't have the courage to give that feedback. Um, I can think of a ton of different examples of that. I can even think of being on the receiving end of that when a peer of mine needed to give feedback to report and they talked to me about it and all the things that they needed to give the feedback on and I affirmed that leader and it turned out that leader went back to the report and said that I said all that stuff even though it all came from them and I took it as they didn't have the confidence to give that difficult feedback so rather than have the courage to do it they deferred it to me wait they told the higher-ups that you were the one giving that feedback not them. yes 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 mm -hmm. it's very common I mean that is that is very very common we know this is why it's so important to have our confidence and then therefore our security that's why that it's so critical for us to grow and be solid and become better and better in terms of our confidence in terms of our inner security because then I mean how does that play out many people do not get feedback that they need to get people are not confident or secure that they can deal with the emotions of the other I have seen you know in, a, in our culture where where people have said, you know, oh, I'm not going to give that feedback, critical feedback to, to a female because she might cry. And, and I couldn't face that emotion. I can't face the whole person. So what happens is <laughs> when that courage is not there, that, that confidence is not there, then a person sort of gets shelved because they don't develop. They don't get accurate readings of themselves. They only get what they intended. And, and then when people get shelved, they may, they may have great potential. <laughs> but without the feedback, they're not going to develop and they're not going to grow. And then they get more and more and more behind. It happens all the time. So the security, the confidence of the leader, that's a good example, Ed, you know, in giving feedback. If it's not there, the person they're leading is going to wilt day by day by day. So true. And, and the author Jim Collins talked about the two qualities in a leader with confidence being humility, number one, but belief in self being number two. So when we talk about confidence, of course, it's that belief in self. It's never better than somebody else. Just that belief in self and the belief that I can lead and I, I can deliver on a purpose or a mission or a vision that we're working toward. Mm -hmm. It's that belief and then acting it out. I think so many people have beliefs, they have opinions of themselves and so forth. You know, they know it. But the question is, what are they doing? What are we doing? Everybody says, oh, I know that. I know everything. I've heard of that. I've heard of this. Yeah, I mean, we live in an age of a wealth of information. Everybody knows everything. They've heard everything. That really isn't the question. It's like, who are you being and what are you doing? How are you executing it and acting out what you say you know or have heard of or have read somewhere? Do either of you think there is an issue in the workforce or maybe just in society, an issue with confusing confidence and arrogance? 
both internally and then also externally, not wanting to be perceived as arrogant when really you're just confident. Mm-hmm. What a great point. You know, self-orientation is so critical here. If one has, you know, very high, very, very high self-orientation, their orientation is not balanced. It's just high. And ego is so high, you know. Then ego is such an enemy because we can come across as knowing better than. And, and that translates right out into arrogance and positioning. So we're really here talking about the balance of self-orientation to be aware of self and to be aware of others and not have such high self-orientation and ego that it's just me, myself, and I, and me, my, and myself, and I, and then just stay in my head, stay in my head, stay in my head. And then that, of course, that very high self-orientation is going to come across as arrogance all the time, knowing better than. And that's where we really balance that belief in self with the humility. The belief in self says, I can do it. And the humility says, I might not have all the answers, but I can get them. And Mary and I, you call that the humble, urgent leader. Yeah, we do call that the humble, urgent leader. The humble part is just being secure enough, confident enough to be real, just to be real, appropriately vulnerable, not inappropriately vulnerable, just appropriately vulnerable and being real that the way I am helps the conversation, helps the other person. It serves the other person well. It serves to move our conversation forward. And then, of course, the urgent part of the leader is what is the next best thing to be done? What should I do next? The next best right thing. And then not wasting time, right? Putting one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And then that accumulates into what is most important gets done. It gets done right in the best way we know to do it right, and we don't languish. So that's the beauty of the uh, humble, urgent leader. And we we teach that all the time. We talk about it. We work with it with our clients. And if someone gets that, you know, can feel, can feel the essence of the humble, urgent leader, wow, what a, what a uh, attribute of them being a fantastic leader. So just to bring it back to the beginning, Confidence seems to be this base, this uh, real first building block to the humble urgent leader and all of that stuff. So what is something people can do to practice and develop this confidence so that it doesn't slip into um, arrogance or ego? Well, this is very interesting. When, when we ask leaders, as we often do, what are your strengths? So developing confidence is being very clear about strengths. So when we say, what are your strengths and what are your areas for personal and professional enhancement? Enhancement. They will give us two or three strengths and they stop. So it's very hard to be a confident person when you haven't very deliberately thought about what are my strengths and really document them and stare at them. Because we're always saying, you know, people will give two or three and stop. And they'll say, okay, what more are your strengths? Oh, well, I, I think I've said everything. No, 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 no. I'm not nearly at the bottom of my page here writing down your strengths, so keep going. Oh, okay. Then they'll come up with another strength or two, and then they stop. Okay, come on. 
Come on, what more are your strengths? Really? Do I have to really do that? Yes, you have to really do that because I'm not to the end of my page. And then they'll get on a little bit of a roll and then they'll try to stop a time or two, but I'm saying, nope, you're not done. A few more strengths. So how can you be confident if you can't even say your strengths? Because it begins with being able to identify them and then live into them. But when we go to enhancements, how can you be better? It's just, you know, one thing after the other. Da, 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 da. They have this long, long plethora of a list. And so, you know, that just goes to prove that people are harder on themselves than other people are. And we see it every day because they can rattle off their enhancements. They don't rattle off their strengths, which is the base basis of confidence. You've got to know I have some strengths and what are they and write them down and not just, oh, I have strengths and wave my hands in the air and it's sort of an amorphous, generalized thing. So we see this constantly. It starts with knowing my strengths and believing in myself for those strengths. That's the beginning of the foundation of confidence. One of the things that comes up the most in, in the coaching we do and in groups too is imposter syndrome. And it, it could be a CEO, it could be a new leader, new manager. It, it seems like everybody has this imposter syndrome. And a lot of the time, just knowing that so many people experience the same feeling um, can do a lot to, to enhance one's confidence. We hear it in so many different ways, this feeling that they don't really deserve their position or they're going to be found out or they're gonna say something and people are gonna know that they don't really deserve the position that they're in. We seem to be really good at ignoring our strengths. But they do it so naturally, or have learned to demonstrate a certain behavior or achieve a certain achievement. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I just do that. I mean, that, that's just who I am. And they don't really think about the strengths that it takes to just naturally do whatever they do. So they minimize their strengths and sort of don't recognize them and absolutely just write them off. Not, they don't even see them. Do you think that's a nature or a nurture situation? I think it's a socialization. I really do. Part of our society. Part of, yeah. yeah part, of, part of our society is, um, you know, I, I know as I was growing up, it was, uh, you know, Mary Louise, never ever talk about yourself. Never, it would be impolite. Never say you uh, accomplished something or, or talk about yourself in terms of, of what you accomplished. It would, be, it would be inappropriate. It would be very bad manners. And you're really embarrassing yourself and you don't even know it. So this socialization of being able to, in a humble way, talk about strengths and some achievements and how that serves others and how that serves business and how that serves society. It becomes a how in, I believe, today. Uh, and that it's not totally unacceptable anymore to talk about something you've been able to achieve because how it served others. I think it's in the how. You know, if it comes across as how how it served others, how it, how it made a difference in the community, right? How it can make a difference in the world, how it makes a difference with a lot of other people. And we come from that serving place, that serving how. Then it really doesn't have to sound 
because it isn't braggadocious. It's really in service of making this world a better place, making this community a better place, making this team better, this organization, this company. It's really in service of. And then I think, you know, it, it just has them, it has the right tone and feel to it. And this comparison society we live in, and it could be Facebook or Instagram or wherever, where it seems to be that most people will compare themselves to somebody else. And we know that comparison is the thief of joy. And so many times I'll be coaching somebody and they'll have all these wonderful qualities and wonderful strengths, but they will focus on qualities and strengths that somebody else has that they don't have. And so to your point, Mary, if people could really focus on what is their strengths, what is it that they're really good at and love doing and can contribute to society and stop focusing so much on what somebody else is doing and what their strengths are, that could go a long way. Yeah, comparison is indeed the thief of joy, right? It's because how good or excellent I at whatever I'm doing, how can I be better, more excellent at what I'm doing? I, can, I, I challenge myself to become better and better and better. You know, it, it causes me to think if I used to spend years growing up earning money so I could go to college, and I, I so all these years teaching swimming, and some competitive swimming. And you know, something I would say to those I was teaching, right, is don't look over in the other lane. Never look in the other lane. Because when you look over to your side or a little behind you in the other lane to see how someone else is doing, you miss a stroke or two and you will not demonstrate, you know, the, the really level, the level of swimmer that you are. Don't look at other people. Look at where you're going, stay on it, keep the focus, be very, very disciplined. And that temptation for those competitive swimmers was to look over in the other lane. Of course, every time they looked over, they lost a, a frac. All you need to do is lose a fraction of a second to lose uh, uh, races, swim races. So just, just become more and more excellent based on who you are now, then a little more excellent, a little more excellent. Don't compare yourself to other people and look over in other people's lanes because that's, that's, that's when you're really going to lose your own excellence for sure. Yeah, and it's not about ignoring everyone else per se, but making sure those goals and milestones are coming from an internal place rather than an external one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we can appreciate the strengths and qualities in other versus competing with them and also appreciate our own strengths. And... We talk a lot about our inner life and our outer life. And the outer life is all the things we do and all the things we see. And the inner life, of course, is what we tell ourselves about those things. So the more good things that we can tell ourselves about ourselves and our strengths, the more we can appreciate that in others versus comparing and competing and one-upping. And then we get into that tipping to the arrogant side. If we don't believe in ourself and have confidence in ourself why do we look to other people to give us something we don't have we can spend our life looking to other people to give us something we don't have and i you know when we work with leaders i mean the question always is right if you don't believe in yourself have confidence in yourself why should anyone else you're listening to leaders ignite a podcast for people interested in developing their leadership skills at work and at home. 
Lead Peak Performance, its book, The Power of How, and their online leadership development course are all available at leadpeakperformance.com. I'm your host, Brent Burkhart, and this concludes episode one.